0: hey it's joyce every week i have the chance to chat with an interesting inspiring human and to share that conversation with you join me as i walk and talk with entrepreneurs adventurers and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place now listen this is not some highly polished formally produced podcast it's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other So, lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey everyone, Joyce here, and happy Walk and Talk Day. Our guest today is Sarah Zahab. Sarah and I connected when we were both uh, guests on a panel discussion, and we hit it off and have spoken several times since then. And I am really excited to share all of her wisdom with you. Sarah's a registered kinesiologist. She's a clinical exercise physiologist. She's a group fitness instructor with over two decades of experience. Sarah is the owner of Continuum Fitness and Movement Performance in Ottawa, Canada. It's a personal coaching studio that offers one on one coaching, instruction, athletic therapy, physiotherapy, and registered massage therapy. She is also a Uh, nationally ranked, I was looking for the word, nationally ranked race walker. And she's a regular fitness expert on CTV Morning Live in Ottawa. So she's got so much wisdom to share. Sarah, thank you for being with us today.
1: Thanks so much for
0: having me, Joyce. Um, We have so much to talk about, but I want to talk for just a moment about your race walking career. How well, let's start with people who don't actually realize that race walking is a competitive sport. Can we chat about that for a moment and how you got involved in race walking? Yeah, I, yeah, it's actually an Olympic sport. I mean,
1: um, how did it all? I, you know, when I was in my twenties, I was working in a corporate fitness um, uh, it's like workplace offering wellness programs and the walking classes. Um, I remember taking a walking class from a fellow instructor who sort of introduced it to me, power walking. And I loved the idea of getting out in the middle of your work day and, and walking. And everyone at the end was always happy and in a great <laughs> mood. And it was like, wow, you can get a great workout walking. And there were these like fast walkers. And so in my 20s, I just sort of explored uh, walking fast and how to intensify that and how to make it challenging for my group fitness participants to to walk fast. And I sort of stumbled upon um, a local walking group and the coach of um, the group had coached a three-time Olympian in, in race walking and fell in love with race walking. I thought, this is so great. I mean, I had been running, kind of jogging, but I loved, um, you know, the, the sport, how, how walking could make you feel, how gentle it was on the joints. And just, yeah, loved, loved the idea of like competing and racing in walking. Um, and yeah, really enjoyed. I, I mean, I stuck to the shorter distances in the Olympics. You'll see the longer distances, but, uh, my provincial, uh, champion, uh, sort of record is in the the 5,000 meters, five kilometers, and the national one is in the 3,000. So, um, yeah, love love walking. Yeah, very
0: cool. And Mm -hmm. it's funny, I share that, well, of course I share that passion for walking and all it does for your mind, mood, and body as I always refer to it, but I have always been really active and I've never loved running. It just, mm. I think for some people, I don't know, for some bodies, it doesn't feel good. Like mm-hmm. I like running when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think there are
1: for for many people, running is just not for everybody. I, I mean, I'm I'm. I'm married to an endurance runner. Uh, my brother-in-law has run across the entire Sahara Desert and you know, and I've worked with a lot of clients who are runners, but do you know the number of people where you know walking is such a great alternative to, to running. And if people are injured, walking is is such a great activity to do. Um, Walking is great cross-training to running. And yet for some, it's just not right in their bodies. Um, and that's where walking is just for everybody.
0: Sarah, what do you say to people who will say to you, it, it's not exercise, it's just walking, or it's not intense enough to, and I'm using air quotes, but it's not intense enough to count. I do have people say that to me, what, and I assume you do as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, we, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, like it's, it's hard because people sort of quantify walking as being an easy thing to do or just a recovery thing. But walking can absolutely be intensified and amplified with the right technique. And for many of uh, my clients, I, you know, they say that we get them to hop on the treadmill, we try a few drills skills and they're like huffing and puffing, like, okay, I, I get it. Walking can be challenging. <sighs> there are just so many ways to to amplify and intensify that, whether that's through speed or terrain or hills. Um, so I think you just need the right, you know, the right environment and, and know-how. Um, and from there, you know, it can be absolutely just as, I, I yeah, just as. An, an incredible
0: workout. So let's talk about what is going on when we're walking because I also think that one of the reasons perhaps people don't give it its due as far as exercise it is, is it is I, I think it's the ultimate functional movement in exercise. We start walking you know when we're somewhere usually between a year and two, a little bit younger, a little bit older. And we consider it something supernatural, but we don't have to focus on or certainly learn to do. So let's talk a little bit about what is going on in our bodies Mm -hmm. when we're walking, all the things that are working together, all the things that our bodies have to coordinate kind of what's your, what's your take on everything that's happening. Mm, Yeah. And you're right. I mean, we start, we, we
1: start walking and it's, and it's accessible and it's just this natural, like, ambulation that um, we don't really think about. But when we do think about it, it's like, okay, wow, there's so much going on. It's, it's a great loaded, loading activity. So when we're talking about building up our bone density and strengthening our bones, that impact is so key and walking can provide that um from a muscular perspective we're engaging numerous muscle muscles in in walking we're working a lot of stabilizers you know when we're committed to Pushing off one leg and, and landing on one leg. We have our ankle stabilizers, our hip stabilizers, our core stabilizers working to support and stabilize our bodies. We have a lot more hip extension than running. So walking is a, a linear pa- a movement. It's, it's an exercise of, you know, moving in, in a straight line. And in that push off, Um, our hip extends, and that is allowing us to engage our glutes, the hamstrings, the muscles sort of behind us, the ones we don't see. And for those of us who are seated for long periods of time, walking can really help to recruit and engage those super key muscles that are important in, in supporting our backs and pelvises. Um, We get our arms moving and pumping, which is so good for our lymphatic system, our circulatory system. Um, It's great for our posture. So I think it's really hard to slouch a lot when you're walking. Uh, So we're a little more mindful of, of our alignment and our posture. Um, I mean, I can go on, but there's just, yeah, there's so many wonderful things that happen, you know, mechanically and physiog- physiologically. And, um, and when we're outside, I just think, wow, like, do you, you know, I rarely come back from a walk and go, geez, I regretted that. Like, that was, you know, like, you always come back feeling kind of refreshed and invigorated and... You know the, vita- the whole being outdoors and, and vitamin D aspect, I think, is so is so key, especially for those living in northern climates. Um, yeah, so so many things,
0: so many things, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't, yeah, I can't even remember a time where I've come back from a walk and been like, yeah, wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> I, you know, if I had not gone for that walk, I could have answered another ten emails. <laughs> And in fact, I mean, you're more. We know this. You're more
1: efficient uh, coming back to your workstation or whatever it is. Like exercising and movement stimulates, you know, brain brain activity, and, and you're you're way more efficient. So taking that walking break doesn't really take away from your work time. You can get more done. Um,
0: you know, when you when you come hmm. back from
1: yeah. Mm-hmm
0: but you know what? We all deserve time away from our, I I have such mixed feelings because and I talk about these things all the time as well, as you know, Mm -hmm. and on the one hand, I'm like, it'll make you more productive. You can get more done. And on the other hand, I'm like, but you know what? You deserve not to get more done and just to go out and take a walk for the sheer joy of it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I love that. So that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So most of us, Speaking certainly for myself, uh, when I go into the gym, let me draw you a comparison. When I go into the gym for a real resistance workout, I spend a solid 20 or 25 minutes doing some prep work for my body because I've got some back issues and some, you know all the things, right? So mm. I really prep and warm up and activate and it. do all the things. When I go for a walk, it doesn't matter if I'm going out for a mile or five miles. I just walk out the door and start moving. Mm. That's mm-hmm. probably not probably not the best plan, right? Well, it might be if it works for think, your body.
1: And I think you know, if you, I certainly would spend the same amount of time prepping for a strength workout. And I think when we're loading the body in that way, more priming for you know for the nervous system uh to carry more loads and and preparing the tissues. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I do love the idea of priming and prepping prior to more intense walks. So if I am going out for a faster walk, um, certainly you know opening up the hips and incorporating some dynamic mobility sequences, um, mobilizing some of the joints and then you waking up some of those key muscles like the glutes and the core. And it might be shorter. It might just be a little a little bit of a dynamic stretch and a couple of key exercises, maybe a couple of bridges or some standing hip extensions and maybe one little core activation. Maybe that maybe that's enough. And I certainly have worked out and have walked and have run without warming up, because we've all done it, right? We've all just been like, no time, get out the door, and it hasn't felt great. I just know that our bodies, when primed, and especially as we get to a certain age, I feel like, gosh, when I was in my 20s, like I could do anything. But, you know, as as we get a little bit older, I feel like we need a little more of that priming and prepping and activating to help, help us prepare and help us make those movements feel a little more easeful and, and feel, you know, with potentially less discomfort. And for some, maybe it's just walking at a slow pace and slowly increasing that pace until you hit your desired speed. Um, maybe that is your preparation and that and that's okay too. Maybe if, if you hit a couple of stoplights, you're trying a couple of dynamic you know maybe some some hamstrings, some hip flexor stretches or or you know some little T spine rotations or some ankle circles or something you know a little bit dynamic, and maybe a couple of mini squats to wake things up, things that you can do while you're standing waiting for the light to turn green um, yeah, I think there's ways to make it work. Be in, in your schedule. I don't, I, I, you know, We don't have to spend 20, 25 minutes going out for a walk, but maybe you can try doing five to seven and see how that feels, or maybe you start at a slower pace and ease into it and see how that feels in your body.
0: So you used an expression several times that I, I would like you to explain a little bit, if you would, which is dynamic stretching. So there's been a lot of movement and over the last several decades about what's the best way to prime your body? What's the best way to stretch? And I do, from what I've seen, the research does seem to really come down very strongly on this idea of dynamic stretching. But can you explain for people who might not understand exactly what that means, what that means? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, so there is robust evidence that shows that
1: static stretching prior to workout. So that would be stretching like your typical stretch, holding it for 30 to 60 seconds. It's not actually beneficial to do prior to a workout and it may lead to injury. So when we're talking about this, this idea of dynamic movement, It's thinking of more of a flowy motion, moving through two or three different poses or postures where you might hit a stretch for two or three seconds and move into another stretch for two to three seconds and then maybe work a joint through its full or partial range of motion and moving through this flowy sort of series where there's movement and it's and it, and it continuously moves. So we're not sitting there holding stretches for long periods of time. However, at the end of a workout or when you're done, I think those static stretches can be very helpful in you know, recovering and, and helping you feel better. Um, but we typically reserve those holding type stretches for end of workout, and the more movement, uh, mobile, mo- motion, flowy series uh, for prior to it.
0: So many of us were taught, you know, back in the day, I can still think of uh, those times, you know, cross one ankle over the other, bend over, touch your toes or go as far as you can and hold it for 30 seconds, which uh, it doesn't feel particularly good for me, uh, but that was kind of the the old way um, so for anyone out there who is still sort of focused on those static stretches when you think about preparing for a walk or another kind of movement uh, take sarah's advice and look for a different approach to that so prepping for your walk in whatever way and we were talking a little bit before we got uh before we went live uh, about this idea of really learning what works best for your body. And I feel like that's another place where there's been a lot of growth in the industry around this idea that we're not all the same and our bodies don't respond to the same kind of stimulus in the same kind of way. Mm -hmm. Have you seen Mm -hmm. that over the last 20 years? 100%. And I, and I see it in
1: like, you know this next generation I, I I don't know I feel like with my clients who are older and I don't mean to generalize but my age old 50s 60s I feel like when we're describing movements and asking how people feel they have a more difficult time sort of that concept of you, you know being in tune with the body whereas if I might say this. It, yeah this younger generation. Like my kids are 11 and 14, and they're doing yoga in school. They're doing meditation in class. I mean, I I never did those things growing up. They're constantly talking about you know being in tune with their bodies and how does it feel and does this sit with me and I, I just love where this is going. Where you know listening to our bodies and for many people that's a foreign concept like what does that even mean what if my body my body is not like listening to your body it's such a hard thing when people have these cultural um expectations or they have these ingrained thoughts and it, it is harder to sort of shift that um but yeah i think that there is a lot more emphasis and focus on like being aware of what what messages are is your body telling you? Like, is there discomfort? Is there pain? Do you have headaches? What could this possibly mean? Are there some shifts that you can make, you know, within your body to, to change some of these outcomes? Um, you know, maybe just bringing bringing a little more power and empowerment to people. Like, you know, you can try different things and, and see if that has a better outcome for
0: you that kind of trial and listen and learn is so unbelievably powerful and definitely counterintuitive. And I agree. I do think it is a little bit of a generational kind of question. And this is actually the perfect segue to something that I have always wrestled with trying to explain or articulate. So I'm going to punt it to you, right? So (laughs) I believe, and you can tell me if you disagree, but there are a lot of things that don't feel good when I wake up in the morning. I could tweak this, this can be sore, my back can feel a little not perfect. And for me, more often than not, a walk will help. Mm -hmm. And there's an idea, and I've done a lot of research on this, and I'm sure you have, of course, as well, but Walking is really good for pain management, but how in the world do you know when it's good to walk through discomfort or any kind of movement or what your body needs or that muscle needs or that region needs is rest? How do you know the mm. difference? Mm. That's really tough. Um
1: but I think, you know, we, I, I often use walking as a, as a reset. Like if we're doing some muscle testing or if we've done, you know, a particularly difficult sort of series, okay, little walks, walk around, check in, see how you feel. But I feel like, yeah, walking can be a great way to reset in multiple ways and, um, you know, get things moving and you know, flush things out and warm things up and, and get things feeling better. But when we get to a point where things become sharp or if, you know, if a lot of people use the scale of, where is your pain on a scale of, you know, up to 10? If if it's anything greater than a two, I would say, you know, maybe it's it's not helping. But if you are, let's say, experiencing some back discomfort, a lot of my clients with with back pain will say walking is fine. And so if if walking helps, if you feel better walking, or at the very least, if it doesn't make things worse, I think it's likely a safe activity and safe to-do. If the walking is causing more discomfort or there's sharp pain, um you know and it's not helping then then maybe it will become oh but maybe there are some things that you can do to shift so if you're walking at a specific speed and that's causing discomfort maybe you can slow it down maybe you can decrease the amount of time like maybe you can comfortably walk for 10 minutes but at the 12 minute mark that's where the pain kicks in so the 10 minute would be your new threshold where you stick with that and see if you can bump that threshold i think it's about staying within your threshold, staying below that ceiling where things seem to just throw you off. And if we can stay in that range, whether that decreasing the intensity or the time, or maybe walking on a treadmill is more comfortable and and you're less symptomatic um, than, than outdoors, I think before giving it up altogether, if it's not working, can we modify? Can we vary it first? And see if that is a better outcome for you. Because in in all instances, when there's pain and discomfort, I mean, we want people to keep moving. We want to, the movement is so healing and important. Um, So thinking at
0: alternatives first. It goes to, the way I always put that is, ask yourself, what can I do? And I think there's Mm. such a tendency that we have, if we set out and we intend to, to do X, and for whatever reason, X doesn't work. We're like, yeah, I'm done. X didn't work. I I have to go on a five mile run. It didn't work. So I'm going home. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, okay, X isn't working, but what can I do that feels okay? Mm, I love that. And I
1: think that's hard for many people, like many of my clients, I, like the same and, and people in my circles, like, oh, I just gave up because it didn't work for me. And and it's almost like it's an easy thing to do. Right. I, I can't do this. So I'm just not do anything. And it that takes a little more effort and a little more awareness um, around finding a solution. Right. It's harder to do that in a sense,
0: I think. I think there's also, and I I suppose I'm speaking largely for myself, but I've been working through a, a back injury for now a couple of years. And I remember a day, specifically I remember this day where I was in the gym trying to do something, it was not working, and in utter anger and frustration, I stormed out of the door. And then I turned around, and I literally in my brain said, okay, what can you do? And I turned around and went back. So I think it's also getting past, it takes a little bit more work, but I think we also have to get past our frustration, our disappointment, mm. our anger, whatever it is. Mm. We set this intention, our body mm. didn't cooperate, and we're mad. It's
1: <laughs> super frustrating. I mean, injuries <laughs> are frustrating they are so hard it's so hard yeah um yeah i I love i love what you did and 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 for some people walking out may just be the best thing for them that day where they need some time to process and and regroup and set up a you know make a plan um but there's there's always something that can be done whether it's seated even, you know, doing some, some strength elements or you know, there's there's always options for sure.
0: And that's, it's about looking, really looking for those, those alternatives and being a mm-hmm. little kinder and a little more forgiving, I think of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk, it's funny that uh, this was kind of on our list of things to talk about because it just crossed my radar in another context as well. There's some really interesting research around how great a regular walking practice is to develop and keep your balance. And I know this is something that you focus on as well. Can you share a little bit about why it's important to think about our balance, especially as we age, and why walking is good for that?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I think that's that, you know, and when we're thinking about the mechanics of walking, when you step on a foot and pick up your other foot, that other foot is not really touching the ground until it comes up and around. You has to kind of complete the circle. So in essence, you're, you're balancing on one leg while the other leg is swinging around and moving. And if we're unable to maintain that balance, then we might trip, we might tip, we might fall, we might Know, catch on something we may need to put our foot down we may need to alter our gait mechanics um i think as we age the balance becomes crucial for stabilizing and you know there was a time where i was telling everyone like when you brush your teeth just stand on one leg I'll do the 30 seconds each side and then switch and do and and i think that's also a great starting point for people is Standing on one leg and, and incorporating that whenever you can think about it. But because of the dynamic nature of, of walking, I think in our balance training or in our balance work, adding some movement can be very helpful too. So standing on one leg, maybe swinging the arms, maybe hinging at the hips, the bend, maybe turning the head as if you were talking to someone and adding a little bit of the challenge to kind of work our train train our system vestibularly and muscularly um, to to help stabilize us we want to be strong and ready for any of the environments and and you know in canada like right now it's you know there's snow on the ground there's ice on the ground you know, we want to be able to prevent those slips and falls and be confident walking in different terrains um, instead of saying, it's too slippery, I, I can't walk. And and that's, and that's really challenging, you know, when you don't have the confidence or the ability or the stability to to walk.
0: I just think it's amazing, and I think that everybody who is joining us on this walk and talk should take a moment and think about how miraculous it is that every <laughs> time you take a step and you're walking you're balancing your entire body on one foot honestly mm-hmm. like i don't think we stop and realize how incredible that is mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah totally i mean yeah I mean, and and if you think about when you're standing on one leg, people will do thirty or forty five seconds, which is great. But if you're walking, you know taking ten thousand steps in a day, that's like five thousand of them are on one leg it's It's amazing
0: <laughs> it's amazing um so all the things we didn't get to talk about we didn't talk about gait, we didn't talk about striding and oh understriding overstriding, we didn't talk about posture, oh my gosh, we need like another three hours but I understand you have some (laughs) workshops coming up. Share all the news. Oh yeah, thanks. So we just, yeah, I've
1: I've been presenting for a number of years and I'm in the process of putting together some online workshops um, that are geared more towards fitness professionals. Um, Yeah, so it's, just from our website, you'll be able to find them at continuumfitness.ca, and uh, likely in the coming months, we'll be sharing some of those workshops
0: for fitness and health practitioners. So we will uh, share uh, the links to your social and your website and all of the things, and perhaps we'll have the opportunity to do this together again at some point in the new year to talk a little bit more granularly about those things, posture and gait and all those geeky things that I love to talk to you about so much. Yes, and the feet. And the feet, we didn't even get to the feet. The feet are the foundation. So much more to talk about. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much, Joyce. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, happy walking. Thank you for joining us for today's Walk & Talk. Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week in the 99Walks app and all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.